Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Is it possible that we could have the house lights up a little bit so I can see people's faces? I don't like speaking into fast. Better. There you are. I'm so happy to see you. Okay, so here's it. Here's the thing. Here's it. Here it is. This time of the year, my poor family has to endure the fact that I spend more time at the garden factory than in the grocery store. And then, then, and if you know me at all, or you've seen my, my stuff at all, it's like pots and pots and pots of more, pot, not a legal pot, not legal pot, but pots on my back deck that I fill with flowers. And not one or two or three. It's like I need an intervention. It's like we don't need more pots, honey. Yes, we do. We need more. Because the season is so brief that it can be beautiful that, that I just can't even stand it. So it's got to be layers and layers and layers of flowers in the front and in the back and by the mailbox and around and around and around and around. It's like, this is extreme. I know. I like it that way. And so then after, and the deck in the backyard, then I was obsessed with these lights. So I wanted lights in the bushes, several different sizes, and then I want little lights in the, in the porchy thing, and, the, and then these baskety ones from Target, and they're all looking like Bangkok. I'm like, oh, this is, I'm digging this. I look like I'm in Asia. And so at night, and then there's a fire pit, and it's like, and for a season that only lasts, I don't know, a couple months, it's like it's got to be really good. And it's like, are you a, you're extreme. I know. But the thing is, I'm going for a vibe. I want when people come that they're like, ooh, this is really good. It's like, yes, that's what I'm going for. Because I live in this gray, meh, Weather for all, when, so when it finally gets nice out and green and the grass turns really green, we have really beautiful season, even if it's brief. So I'm all about it, and it's a little bit extreme. But the thing that, that um, really encapsulates what I'm going for is I think I'm going for a Garden of Eden vibe. The people would go back and ooh, this is lush and beautiful, and the food is coming, and the grill is cooking, and the music is on, and I'm like, yep, that's what I'm going for. So, so the thing is, here's the thing. The thing is that, that in the Garden of Eden, it must be a little bit in us as people who are created in God's image that we want that combination of rest and beauty and delicious. That's, uh, uh, I think, that the presence of God. And if, you, and if there's Christians on my deck and people are talking about the love of God and the love of the food I cooked, that's all the better. Huckle buckle, huckle buckle beanstalk. That's like the trifecta, right? So... Um, the thing is that when I, I was looking at uh, what to share with you, I was, I've been reading this book by a guy named Beale, and it's on the tabernacling presence of God. And the beautiful thing he, he points out is that the tabernacling presence, the very first sanctuary was Eden. And that when uh, in Genesis 1.26, it says that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man, male, and female in our image. And so we see that in that little verse that, that God wanted a family. And so, and he dwelt with them, and he communed with them, and he loved them, and he shared his purposes with them. And that was the beginning of, of him dwelling with, with men, people. He likes people. I like people. God likes people. It's good. So the tabernacling presence of God is seen there. And then we see that it can be seen all throughout the Old Testament where God was inviting 
uh, men into relationship, people looking for people who would, who would respond. You know, when God spoke to Abraham initially in Genesis 12, and he, he essentially propositioned Abraham like, hey, Abraham, yo, do you want to be my friend? Abraham wasn't bright. He wasn't honest. He wasn't all that connected. He was living in Ur of the Chaldees, and he's like, yeah, I'm in. And little by little, he became transformed. He became increasingly obedient unto circumcision. That's pretty obedient. He became transformed. Abraham became God's friend. He became the father of faith, but he wasn't picked because he was all that together. He wasn't that bright, and he wasn't that honest, but God chose him. And he, he was, he was uh, sharing the purposes of God's heart with him. He fellowship with him, and he wanted a relationship with him. And that's how God is. That's how he rolls. He wants us to be in relationship with him. And so we see that Moses interfaced with God, and God instructed him to make this tent of meeting that really wasn't the tabernacle in the wilderness. It was just a random tent. And God shared with Ab uh, Moses his, his heart and his intention, and when he was frustrated, and, and they, 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 Moses was God's friend. But then it says that after Moses left, Joshua went in there and just hung out in the tent of meeting. He's like, oh, the, the, I like the vibe in here very much. God's presence was in there. And Joshua was like, I just want to dwell in the tent of meeting. After they're finished, it's like when kids go and eat the leftovers after the adult party. Oh, I like this a lot. So, so Joshua went in there. But here's what happened, what I saw for the first time recently that I never saw before. I saw that the Ark of the Covenant was, was God gave instructions to Moses, and it was the presence of God at that time that they, that they were stewarding and safeguarding and, and, and shepherding that thing. So then, in Samuel's day, there was a battle, and the Ark was kidnapped by the Philistines. They hoisted it, and Eli's sons were not that great. The Bible says they were worthless men. That's not really a good thing to be said of you. You're a worthless man. And um, guess what happened next? Nothing. The Ark of the Covenant, the Philistines said, oh, this is making a big problem for us. We're all getting sick. We'll ship it over there. And it stayed at the house of Abinadab for 20 years. And Saul, who wasn't, uh, mm, he had problems, let's put it that way, he, didn't, he never inquired about that Ark. I'm like, where was the ark during Saul's reign? Nowhere. He's just doing, making bad decisions consistently, continually. And the ark of the covenant, the presence, wasn't, he wasn't hanging out with it. He wasn't curious about it. Nothing, he didn't think about it. It wasn't in his, on his screen. So David, who we know had a revelation, a, a, a future revelation of Jesus, a future revelation of the presence of God. He wasn't a Levite. He just had a revelation of the presence of God that there's just no explanation for it except for that he was blessed by God with insight into a future reality, which was the presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. And he sings about it. And, and it's beautiful. And he says, where is that ark? We need that back. And so that's where my, my, my little focus is this morning, is that we see that, uh, that, the, that David said, I know, we'll get a U-Haul cart and we'll go down there and we'll pick it up like they split and it'll all be good. Take some Levites, it'll be fine. Well, that didn't exactly work out. What happened was they, they went and stuck the, from Abinadab's house, they stuck it on the cart. It said Abinadab lived nine miles from Jerusalem. They're like, you know, we're going to have this done by lunchtime. No, that's not what happened. What happened was the cart got, uh, 
higgledy-piggledy. It, it started to uh, shift, and the arc started to go down, and some guy named Yuza put his hand up there and said, I'll study it, and zap, the Lord struck him dead. It's like, that's not good. So David says, David first is angry, and then he's hurt, and then he's like, what is going on? I was doing a good thing. I was getting the ark, and what's going on? And what I decided was that David didn't really handle the presence of the Lord with the, with the reverential awe that God really requires, that God wants his, his presence stewarded. It's not so that you can be more famous. It's not so that you can be more uh, Instagram-worthy. The presence of God isn't so that you can be, uh, have a bigger platform. It's, it's, not, it's not something to be handled. And that God came and, and he said, th- th- I'm not all, all about your expediting my presence. Let's get the presence. We'll sing uh, three choruses and two hymns, and we'll get the, you know, something going on here, a little smoke, and then there'll be presents. Not so much. God really wants us to be, have transformed hearts, have transformed minds. And in that situation, he wanted them to, to look back into the Levitical way of how it should be handled. So David eventually repented and said, you know what, I better figure out this from God's perspective. He went back and investigated it, and it turned out that God didn't want his word and his message handled in an expedited fashion. He didn't want it emailed. He wanted it carried on the shoulders of Levites. He wanted it carried on the shoulders, physically touching them on their shoulders, not in a U-Haul truck. He wanted it in uh, touching people. And that was the way he wanted it, and he, it was important to him. Yes. But what happened after the mishap with the U-Haul and Yuza is they left it at this guy's house named Obed-Edom. Now, it's a little verse, and it might not seem all that important, but Obed-Edom kept the Ark of the Covenant at his house, and the word says that, that everything in his house was blessed. I imagine that all his sons, it says he had eight sons and his daughters-in-law, and I bet you he had a lot of new grandchildren after that, that, that time. And I bet you his, his crops and his livestock and everything was blessed. And I'm not sure how it works. He didn't, I don't know how you measure wealth in that society, but I, I imagine it had to do with increase. And so David heard about that, and he's like, I want that increase. And so, so the second time when they brought the Levites in, in the Aaron priest guys, and they put the poles through the rings on the Ark of the Covenant, they handled it better. They, they, they had the reverence that God wanted, and, and they brought it back, and David prepared a tent for the Lord in Jerusalem, and David danced, and they brought it, and it was a beautiful thing that the presence of the Lord came back to Jerusalem, and David stewarded that thing. But what happened to Obed-Edom's family was, I found out that it said he was a Gittite. I'm like, what's a Gittite? And it says here that Gittite are people from Gath. I didn't know that. Gath means who was his homie? He was from the same town as Goliath. I'm like, what's up with that? He was, he was with, from Goliath. And, and um, he wasn't from an elegant family. He wasn't well connected. He wasn't from, um, you know, straight teeth and straight hair. He was, he was from... Someplace else, you know, you see, you see that when with, with, with someone rocks up, you're like, okay, what are we working with here? And, and then, like, that was me. When, but when, when, when I first became a Christian, I was little, but the family wasn't a Christian family, and I showed up at Bible college with no table manners, and I would, like, have my head on the plate like this, and I, was, I, I, didn't, I, wasn't, I didn't know any better. Lots of things like that. Write a thank you note. Why? Because I said so. It's important. Do it. 
Those kinds of things really show that you were from a family that taught you table manners and say please and thank you and open a door and wipe your, keep your elbows off the table. I didn't know any of that stuff. So this guy, he was from a, a culture that was not necessarily elegant either. He was not well connected. And do you know what happened to him? He said, that presence of the Lord that was in my house, that transformed me. I tasted of it, and I am going to pick up part and parcel, and we're relocating to Jerusalem. we got to go after that presence. we got to be people of the presence. Do you know what it says later on there? It says that he left, he left where he was, and he went to Jerusalem, and he became a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord for generations. And I have to read this to you. It says, one of the ways God blessed Obed-Edom was giving him many sons, eight. And they listed the sons along with their fathers were gatekeepers in the temple. And Obed-Edom named each of his sons in honor of God's blessing over his household. And he named one the Lord has given and the other Issachar, which is Lord, the Lord's reward. And he had 62 strong male ears and the faithful of the Lord. And although he seems like he had a minor role in scripture, he was transformed and he lived in the Old Testament. So this beautiful thing that the, the Holy Spirit and the presence transformed his lineage, it transformed his household. He says, we're out of here, we're following that presence. And that's really a beautiful thing for us to consider that it transformed his household, his culture, and it, it re, actually it, it gave him a new lineage. It changed his, uh, his generation. And so we know that after that, the, the presence was in David's tent until David had this idea to construct a temple for, the, for this Holy Spirit. He said, I live in a palace, and the Ark of the Covenant's over there in that ramshackle tent. We need to build a temple. And, and it really wasn't God's idea. It was David's idea. And God said, David, I'm so impressed with you. You know how you are when you're little kids, when they do something really impressive, you're like, oh, I'm so proud of you. What a great idea. Let's go fishing. It's like it's his idea. And David and God said, I'm going to bless that. And, and then he said, I want your son to do it, not you. And then we see that later on that Solomon, that the glory filled the temple that, that Solomon built and the glory went in and, the, and it was beautiful that the presence of God was visible there. And that was, again, the presence is throughout the old and new. It's the heart of God that he would come and dwell with us, that he would share his thoughts with us, that he would bless us, that we would look different and feel different and the culture of our households would be different because the presence isn't just for us to have tinglematic. It's so that we can be more like God, so he can transform us, so we can hear his thoughts, and we can get vision for more than just ourselves. It's not for just us, like air conditioning. It's for, it's for the tongue of fire was over each individual head, because each individual head in the book of Acts had experienced transformation. Like when the, when the people are together in unity, it says in Acts 2, and that's good, we like that. And then it says that rushing muddy wind came in, and everyone was blessed by that. That was like air conditioning, very fun, very nice. But the individual tongue of fire was on an individual person because each person needs an individual encounter with the Holy Ghost. And if you want your kids to, uh, to continue on past your, your strange culture of your household, which was Christian, we thought, but we, had, we, didn't, we, we, didn't watch, we didn't read Harry Potter, and we found out that was okay, but was it? But we didn't know. And they get to be 30, and they're like, how come you were so strict? And we said, we didn't know any better. And we had you in VBS all the time, and that was the best we knew how to do. And I'm sorry if we squandered your childhood because we didn't know any better. It's like, you know what, apart from all of that, if they have encounters with the Holy Spirit where they're actually in interfacing with God and maybe healing flows through them or maybe they get vision or they, they're like, the Holy Spirit is in this place and I'm interfacing with God. It has nothing to do with the length of my skirt or the ball cap or the no ball cap in church. 
It has to do with, have you had an individual encounter with the Holy Spirit himself? And then it says in the book of Acts, after they had individual encounters, they lived in fellowship with one another. And they shared bread and they were in house to house and all that. You can't do that without the Holy Spirit. People will annoy you. They'll break your stuff. They'll break your stuff and they'll eat your raspberries. And those weren't for you. Those were for somebody else. And you ate my raspberries. But you know what? You can share if the Holy Spirit has filled you and helped you. You get vision for more than just yourself and your own kids. You're like, those people need some godliness. They need some help. Yeah, yeah but they're going to come and make a mess. Yeah, that's okay. We'll get more stuff. You know, but, but apart from the Holy Spirit, you really can't share life. You're like, they're annoying. Yeah, I know that. Do it anyway. The Holy Spirit will give you an unction and a passion to see the stuff that you, th- that you see that's wrong with the world, and you say, I want to be part of the solution to that. And, and oh, by the way, it's different for each of us. Each of us see different things. It's like my pro-life friends are rejoicing right now, and I'm rejoicing with them. And then my international mission friends are mad that China closed, and they had to come home. It's like I'm sad with them. And then somebody else is about inner city poor, and I'm on their page. It's like we each have a rock in our jar that might be different than someone else's. It's like your relationship with Jesus is tantamount, and then you, you care for your marriage and your kids, also really important. But beyond that, you might have a variation in your particular burden. We have diversity of burden. And so, where was I going with all this? The, the Holy Spirit comes and transforms us so that we can function how we were supposed to function. And it's not like somebody else. You know, when you have a key, I learned recently that a key, if you make a, a copy of the key, it has to be made according to the master. It can't be made from another copy or it won't work. And how much like that is for us that we have to be listening to what we're supposed to do. And the only way you can do that is be in the word and in prayer and the Holy Spirit touch you personally. Otherwise, you sound, you know, did you ever see somebody who loves someone's ministry and then they started to sound like them when they talked? And it's like, oh, you must like his ministry. Now you've got a southern accent. You're not from the south. It's like, but, you know, they're trying to copy somebody. And it's like, okay, you're okay. It's okay. But I know I'm on to you. So anyway, so where were we? Then, then the visible presence of God shows up in flesh and blood in the person of Jesus. And he wasn't born Shazam on a mountain, full grown. That's how I would have done it. He was born through the womb of a, a, a teenage girl in a dangerous place in a dangerous time. And he didn't even have a car seat. He didn't even have a car seat. <laughs> and, um, and he grew in stature and favor. And he, he, he showed us the father. He represented the father to us. And we began to see that the father wasn't angry. And he wasn't in a bad mood. He wasn't manic depressive. He is a loving father, merciful, humble, not humble in a sniveling way, humble in a powerful way that he came to serve, and he showed us how to do that, and then even unto death on the cross. He was humble in Philippians, it says, even unto the death on the cross. So, so that is really good news, and, and to demonstrate his power, he rose from the dead, also really good news. He ascended to the right hand of God to intercede for us, really great news. And then the Holy Spirit came, and guess what happened? We became the temples of the Holy Spirit. It's like, you're kidding me. Nope, not lying. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and so the presence, you're not waiting for some, some uh, visitation like, like Saul was. You're, you're a habitation. And I know for some of you this is review, but this is supposed to say, you know what? I was thinking I was having a really bad day, but maybe I'm not. Maybe the Holy Spirit can come and comfort me. Maybe the Holy Spirit can instruct me. 
Maybe the Holy Spirit can teach, persuade me not to run away and join the circus because I am planted in this time and space, according to Acts 17, the time and place geographically that you've been planted is for a purpose. And so the Holy Spirit makes you in your own personal uniqueness. You know, maybe you love people, maybe you don't. Maybe you uh, love a party. Maybe the, uh, any party that lasts more than 10 or 15 minutes is like, hey, already, I need to go home. I don't, I'm not enjoying this at all. And then the rest of us, some of us are in the parking lot until they send us home. You guys got to go home from this party. It's over. And each individual uniqueness like that really is from God so you can discover who he wants you to be, what problems he wants you to solve. You're not, we're not supposed to all solve the same problems. And we think differently. And that's really something we should celebrate and say, Lord, you made the things that delight me. What delights me doesn't delight someone else. What, God doesn't care what flavor of ice cream you like. There's not a better one. What kind of car you like, the spouse you're looking for. It's like those are very unique individual things. And that's okay, and it's because you're supposed to serve in that specific, specific realm that's, that turns you on, that psychs you. And so we become the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the kingdom, it comes through us. We enjoy relationship with the Father, and he accomplishes his will through us. I better read some of this. It says here, Christ's redemptive work through the power of the Holy Spirit, we bring restored version of the Garden of Eden to our homes our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, our cities, our nations, and our world. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out and men and women became a habitation of the Lord's presence, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the Holy of Holies who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself anymore, for the gift of the Holy Spirit lives inside you. You are his sanctuary. So that's really great. And do you know what also is true? I'm sorry, AV people, I'm jumping around all over the place with these scriptures. Yes, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Didn't we sing that, the pants off that chorus? No, you're not, no, you're not, you are the temple. No, you're not, no, you're not, you are the temple. No, you're not, no, you're not, you are the temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Did you sing it for an hour, for 10, 15 years? We just sang the paint off the walls with that song. And um, we did. And so we are God's people, and we flourish in his tabernacling presence. And, and, and it's so that we can bring transformation where we go. And, and so when anxiety comes our way, when envy comes our way, when the temptation to be in strife and the temptation to gossip comes our way, we have to have that we kindle this Holy Spirit like a fire that needs to be fed consistently so that we can burn brightly and bear fruit. And if you don't, if you don't kindle that with the word of God on a regular basis and the fellowship with the saints with a regular basis and also just your own personal worship time, you get dry, you get cold, and the fire is like, is that a fire? Do we have, do we have to start it over again? And, you know, did you let the fire, my husband, we go camping. My husband's like, did you let the fire go out? I didn't mean to. I was cooking. Well, I thought you were going to feed the fire. I forgot. So our lives are like that too. You have to fan it. You have to feed it. And if you don't, you end up with this religious weird strange thing that used to be vibrant and now it just looks like it just looks like an abandoned something that doesn't work anymore and it's not fragrant people are like oh your religion is not fragrant it's like well there's no there's no life in it there's no fire in it it's just a, a culture like selling amway it's like what what is it? it's not life-giving it's like a subculture oh there are there are people who do um religious things and um they have a subculture and they're very passionate about it but it's not life-giving 
No one wants to be like, who would want to be like you? You're bad-tempered, you, you're gossip, you're mean. You have no, there's no muck of human kindness in you. It's like, yeah, but I'm a church lady. <laughs> it's like, you know what? That's not helping. You're not helping. So if you, if you want to be the person who um, is the tabernacle, honors the presence, Obed-Edom enjoyed the presence, David had to learn how to steward the presence. We need to learn how to steward it. You know, if stuff comes out of your mouth that you're like, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and you're in worship, and then all of a sudden you're like talking mean and vile and nasty in the same 20 minutes later, an hour, I'm guilty of this. It's like, you know, you need to sanctify your vessel and say, you know what, I want the presence to grow in me. I want the anointing on my life to grow, and I might need to safeguard the things I watch, the things I listen to, the accounts I follow. It's like, you know what? You're, you're draining the beautiful, the oil. The, the God wants you to be filled with this beautiful oil of the Spirit so that you can burn brightly so people can say, I want some of that. And, and if you don't, you know what burns? You burn the wick because there's no oil in your vessel and you're smelly and you're smoky and you're, and you don't, you're not helpful because you don't have any brightness. You're just like, what is that? So it's a wick that's like smoking. And it's a person who hasn't spent time, any time alone with the Lord and they wonder why they're in a bad mood. And they're still trying to do all the things because they think that it's, uh, it's incumbent on them to still do all the things, and they're usually bad-tempered about it. It's like, i got to go to VBS six times. I mean, i just I just been there. Tired, not obedient necessarily, just going through the motions and wondering why there's no vibrant life. And so if we, if we commit ourselves to honoring the presence of the Lord and then making place for it, it should give us the unction to have cool strategies to solve other people's problems to be the answer to people's problems, to have some stamina for hard things and hard people. Tough customers. What about the tough customers? They need stamina. You need stamina to not say, you know what? I'm unfollowing you. You're a pain in my neck. It's like if I'm going to strive with the people who've walked away, if I'm going to pray for them, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to entertain their silliness with my godliness in hopes that they get hungry for God and come back. You don't have any strength to do that if you're not in prayer. You're like, you know what? Pfft, I'm done with you. And in, I, I, this is me telling on myself. But if the Holy Spirit can fill you, you can say, I want to be the answer to problems. The problem, no, we don't, doesn't even take a genius to see that the world is full of problems. It's like we have those divinely inspired problems and the, and the things that are on your heart. Your heart might be burdened by things that are different than the things that burden my heart, and that's really great. But to have the, um, the get up and go, to go and do the thing that God shows you to do is going to require for you to be alone with him long enough for him to refresh you, to him to put supernatural rest on your life, for you to be uh, just permission. You're endorsed. You're endorsed to, to enjoy God. You're endorsed to get cool plans from him. And you're endorsed to go out and dream God dreams. Well, we never did it like that before. Yeah, no kidding. It's not out, clearly it's not working that good. Let's do new things. Let's, let's, you know, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody, but God wants you to dream a new dream. God wants you to do things that are dangerous. The things that are dangerous, if you're my age, are things that you're not good at and you're not sure you can do them. Tech things, oh, I'm not good at that. Someone said to me, you need to stop saying that. You need to buckle down and take the time to learn the thing and stop just throwing up your hands and saying, I'm unteachable. Even monkeys are teachable. You can do this. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, being an old novice is scary. It's like, I'm not sure I know how to do this. Well, try. It's like, can't we find somebody 17 to do it for us? Well, probably not. So, so I'm just inviting you into the adventure. The adventure of, you know, when, when Obed-Edom, when the ark showed up at his house, I don't think he had an ad, you know, Facebook Marketplace, please, one ark of the covenant, deliver to my house. He didn't, he didn't have awareness of that. 
And when it came to him, it overwhelmed him with the beauty. I wasn't there, but I know that the beauty of the presence of the Lord, peace, joy, uh, he enjoyed all of that. And we have the liberty to enjoy it, to enjoy more peace than other people. What's going on outside in the world? It's insane old crazy. Yep, you have peace. The Prince of Peace is your portion. The, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can't we just whine some more? No, you really shouldn't. You do that. That's not helping. Let's enjoy the love, joy, peace, kindness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control in greater measure because we don't just enjoy the presence. It's for a purpose. Intimacy is supposed to produce fruit. And so the fruit we're supposed to produce is in our own hearts, in the lives of our family, in our relationships, in our finances. God, I'm trusting you for new endeavors, new ideas, newness of life. To be... Um, you know, talk out of two sides of your mouth where you're like, you're like saying, God is glorious and God is good and I enjoy his faithfulness. And at the same time, you're like doing, you know, go fund me for crackers and cheese. It's like God has a plan. God has a plan. And he wants to invite us to, to know, know him in new areas, not just the ones we're proficient in already. Isn't it funny? You go to, you go to a thing and you, oh, you go to the, immediately you go to the thing you're already good at. Oh, let's look at the garden books. No, you should look at these kind of books because you're not good at this at all. Oh, that's not fun. It's like God wants us to grow in new areas, not just the ones we're already good at. And so his presence is for this purpose of, of refreshing us, of giving us new ideas, of making us brave. His love and his presence, we steward them with reverential awe so that we can partner with him for the adventure that he has for us right here in this room. He has adventures for us in this next season, in 2022. It's like, you know what, I'm inviting. The same way he invited Abraham into the adventure, He's inviting us into adventure, and he's like giving us permission to dream new dreams because the, the creator is creative, and he's conferred that onto us. What do you think about that? Is that okay? All right? Okay, I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, we are people of your presence, and we have known that, but we believe that we've known it in measure, and you're measureless. You're limitless. And so we show up and invite you to back up your truck and pour it on us, that you have more for us. And to this morning, I'm asking each person in this room to believe that God has more. God has more in, in, in the area of your personal health. To believe him, God, I'm touching you. I'm believing you for healing in my body. I'm believing you for a touch in my finances. I'm believing you for more unction for evangelism in my neighborhood. God, I confess that I'm asleep and I don't even know their names. Please give me the directive to go and knock on a door and and to be a presence, your presence. I'm commissioned to represent you in my neighborhood, at my workplace. Help me to see an evangelistic moment to say, would you like to come have dinner at my house? How about that? The throwback, dinner at my house. And that, God, that you would use us in new ways or maybe ways we used to know and we, you need to call us to go back and dust off that gift, whatever it is. Thank you, God, that you're faithful. I just pray that each person in this room would get a new... Uh, fresh wind and fresh fire to believe you for an adventure of this next season that you want to come and visit us with your presence and produce something great in us in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.